to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you some true stories sent in by listeners. After last week's gore-heavy episode, and honestly, a not very good week for me health-wise, I won't get into detail or anything, but I just did not, I had a very busy week work-wise on top of not a good health week, and I'm sure you've all been there before. I'm very rundown, and I didn't want to leave you with nothing. I really didn't. I wanted to have an episode. I started a more traditional episode, but I didn't want to not give it my all when it came to editing and things, so I kind of cut that one off, and here I am with some true stories. I thought that, you know, we could just hang out do some true stories. I love that I've gotten the feedback that you like it when I talk about the true stories in between and kind of give my 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 thoughts. So I think this is a good compromise. I think so. Um, so let's get started, shall we? Our first submission comes from Robert, who says, I wanted to share these experiences with you from a ghost my family came to know as Harriet. Hi, I'm a new listener to your podcast, and I thought your audience would appreciate hearing this. This story lists a series of spooky events that actually occurred in an apartment I lived in with my mother when I was around 10. This was almost 20 years ago now. My mother, three sisters, and I, the only boy, lived in a three-bedroom apartment in a suburban town in South Carolina. And, strange as it sounds, we shared with it a ghost that we, for some inexplicable reason, all decided was named Harriet. These events would happen often enough and in broad daylight that we accepted the idea of it pretty quickly, actually. At first, it was small things that we could have written off, like when my baby sister, who was an infant at the time, would be mid-meltdown and she'd suddenly stop crying and immediately burst into giggling, looking at an empty corner of the room, her eyes tracking movement that no one else could see. This would happen routinely enough that it felt like someone else was there and trying to help us with the baby. My mother was a single parent, putting herself through nursing school at night and working most days, so we actually welcomed this bizarre phenomenon. Then, when my mother was dating, a boyfriend of hers who would visit sometimes said he was also experiencing things while he was there in the apartment. Once, when he fell asleep, He said he could feel someone rubbing his back, and he woke up, thinking it was my mom, but it was a night that she was in class and had stepped out after he fell asleep. There was no one in the room with him. So, up to this point, it was never anything really alarming, just definitely the kinds of things that spook you. Things got a little scarier after that, though. There's an interesting anecdote I'd like to point to about the manifestation of thought forms. There are some different words for this idea held by varying cultures, but it's definitely an old concept. Sometimes they are called tulpas or egregores. The reason I inject this here is that with our experiences, as with the models that other shared stories seem to follow, it's when the encounters with the unknown becomes regular or commonplace and accepted by a group of minds that they seem to escalate, as if the quantity of people who are aware of a concept helps to make that concept realized. This is my thought process, anyway, to help me explain the sightings. 
I had what I most often refer to as a nightmare around this time that was extremely unnerving and has stayed with me to this day. For context, my bedroom was a smaller one right off the singular hallway that connected the three bedrooms and one of the bathrooms. It was the first door on your left after walking through the living room. My bed was against the wall parallel to the door, so it would be right in front of you when you walk into my room. I would always sleep with the lights completely off, but with my bedroom door cracked open slightly. I was very particular about how wide the crack would be too because the light from the hall was a very bright yellow that would stream in. My younger sisters at this time had a fear of the dark so the hallway light would never be turned off at night. It was an otherwise normal night that I was laying in bed, the door cracked just right, and I was doing whatever 10-year-old me equated to counting sheep to fall asleep. I heard the door creak open wider, and my mind jumped right to thinking that my younger sister was coming to ask me for something from the kitchen. I whipped my head up to address her when I saw it. It was rail thin, a stark black silhouette framed in bright yellow light. I couldn't make out most of the thing's semi-feminine body because it was only a quick glance, and because I was distracted by its eyes, or what I thought were eyes. Two overly large and perfectly circular holes emitted the same bright yellow light from the hall behind it, making me think that they were in fact just holes in its head. Immediately, I ducked my head under my blanket, which I remember was a sky-blue woven linen type of blanket, so I could actually still see the light through it. And I could still see the figure blocking the light. Less and less light was trickling through, so I felt like the thing was getting closer. I sat straight up and put my back against the wall, flattening myself against it in fear, pulling my blanket with me. Wide-eyed, I looked up again. The thing was right beside my bed, stooping over to look at me. I could only look through those holes into the bright yellow light from the hallway. And then, I guess I must have passed out. The next thing I remember, I woke up in the morning with my back still pressed up against the wall, my hands still gripping my blanket tightly around me. I've slept with my bedroom door closed and the hallway lights off ever since that, but I never saw it again. My mother was the only other one who had a sighting while we were in that apartment. She had my baby sister dressed and was getting ready to leave the house. I think she had placed her in a car seat or in the crib while she took a minute to brush her hair. My sister started giggling again like someone was playing with her. My mom, looking into the mirror that hung over our couch in the living room, called back to my sister and asked what was so funny. Without turning, she looked into her reflection over her shoulder towards my sister. When she told me this story, she said that at this point, her brain couldn't process what was off right away about what she was looking at, but she could tell something definitely was. She said it was like she saw the reflection of a reflection like somehow the angle her head was tilted made her look like she was standing closer to my sister than she actually was. We only had the one mirror, though. Then it dawned on her that you can't see the back of your own head in the mirror. She was looking at a woman who had her back to her, 
and who was facing my baby sister. She screams and turns around and there's nobody there. That's when the rest of her kids came out to join her in the living room. None of us saw Harriet, but we did see the fear in my mother's eyes and my baby sister was crying from the sudden sound of her screaming. We moved out of that apartment not long after that, though my youngest sibling still attests that sometimes they feel like Harriet is still following them wherever they go. Thank you so much, Robert, for that submission, and I am so glad you brought up tulpas and that type of phenomenon because I've always found that so fascinating and for those of you who have never heard of it or have heard of it and didn't really understand what it is first of all there's a really funny old-timey movie with jimmy stewart called harvey and it's about a tulpa and that's uh that's it's very entertaining but there i i feel like i believe in this type of phenomenon where like if so they they did an experiment on it and they did a horror movie based on this experiment um where some university students all stayed in this one it was like a mansion or a big house and they all brought, thought up the backstory for this ghost i think it was an old man thought up his his name his birth date his de- death date and this was a fictional person and they focused all their energy into this man is real and he's dead and he's haunting this house and they had some really interesting experiments and results come out of that. I can't think of everything off the top of my head. Okay, and I looked it up. It was called the Philip Experiment. Uh, There's a Wikipedia page on it, and it was done in 1972. Uh, It was a parapsychology experiment conducted in Toronto, Ontario, and it was um, a mathematical geneticist, Dr. A.R. George Owen, and it was overseen by psychologist Dr. Joel Witten, And I believe it was a group of some students and things and uh, some of their wives and such. Um, Again, I'm not going to get into the whole experiment, but it was extremely uh, interesting. There's a lot of critique, of of course, about this experiment. Uh, A lot of people say it was unreliable, but um, there was a movie made about it in like, I think there were a couple movies actually made about that experiment in like the 2010s, and I can't remember the names of them, but things like that are really interesting to me. It's It kind of plays with the idea of our thoughts, our energy, um, our thoughts, our energy, and our energy uh, in general, creating a different energy if we all put, a, put, our, put our minds to it, you know? Uh, totally, if you think this is all total bullshit, that is fair, because it's a pretty out there thing, kind of like when I talked about you know, quantum death theory and time slips and things. Again, I like the true story episodes because I can introduce weird thought experiments to all of you. So yeah, look up the Philip experiment. And I'm sure there may have been other experiments similar to that. That's just the one that came to came to mind. Um, let's move on, shall we? Thank you again, Robert. Thank you so much. And that all your stories were really creepy. The one about you as a child and the thing leaning over you. When I was a kid, I kept, I would have the, I would have a really similar, like you said, where you said, I call them nightmares. And I swore my old, I swear my old house that I grew up in was haunted. And I always had this feeling like this shadow was leaning over me at night. Uh, Since then, I've kind of like, you know, it could have just been me being very afraid of the dark, but it was weird reading yours and you talking about it leaning over you. 
because I had the same type of feeling as a kid and I had kind of the same I had this like um was an uh like an afghan blanket that has you know it's like crocheted it has the holes i'm probably not using the right uh knitting crochet terminology i'm so sorry but um and you could like see through it i it's it was really eerie reading your story because i had a very similar not as scary as yours though mine was not as visceral and as um uh embodied i guess as yours mine was more i swear it was more feelings and shadows and things but uh interesting nonetheless this next one is from Haley, who needs our help in explaining something odd she came across recently hi shelby i'm a huge fan of the show i love listening to it while i bake and cook something happened to me the other day that was kind of weird i don't know if it was actually something paranormal or just a weird coincidence, but I thought I'd send it to you anyway in case it could be considered for a future true horror episode. Well, here you are, Haley. Some backstory. I'm 15 years old and will take any job I can get if I can get paid for it. My current job is a weekly paper run. I deliver papers every Thursday. I was walking to my local library one Saturday when I saw the paper sticking out of a letterbox. I recognized it as last week's paper, which was strange since it had been more than a week since that issue had been delivered, and a different one should have been delivered two days ago. I shrugged it off, as sometimes people don't check their letterboxes regularly due to being on holiday or something. But then I saw the letterbox at the next house, which also had last week's paper sticking out. I kept going and saw that four houses in a row had that same paper, Past that point, all the houses had no newspaper signs on their letterboxes, so I couldn't investigate further. I don't know if I experienced a time slip, or if I'm totally overthinking this, but I go to the library almost every week, and I've never noticed anything like that before. I tend to notice the newspapers more than a normal person would, because I have an obsession with judging other people's delivering skills. So, thank you, Haley. I have no idea. What do you think, listener? I mean, it could have been a little time slip. It could have been that you're a much bit better newspaper deliverer than your your coworker over there. <laughs> but it would still be really eerie going from house to house and realizing every single one was from the week before. And like you said, no one collected them. So that is pretty odd. And I can see why you'd be a little ugh, like freaked out by that. So I hope you, um, I hope it doesn't happen again or it does happen again. I'm not sure. I don't know how scared you were. So <laughs> I don't want to wish another paranormal phenomenon on you (laughs) but thank you so much for submitting our next submission comes from brock dear shelby i'm a new listener to your podcast and i'm a big fan your voice sounds really good and the stories are truly nightmarish keep up the awesome work thank you so much brock usually i don't put all my like praises into these i I take them out for (laughs) the show when I read them. So I'm sorry, listeners this week that I left. I didn't mean to make this a, a, a praise fest for myself. I usually read them and quietly thank them, but then I, uh, or thank them in my head, but I take them out for the show, but I just totally forgot this week. Like I said, I'm not feeling very good this week and I just kind of copied and pasted them. Um, so I, I didn't mean to make this a, a love fest for myself. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you get a lot of these, but I'd like to share an experience I had a while back, even if you never really get to read it. Well, Brock, I am reading it. I'm entirely certain that the things I saw could be explained by natural laws and ration. Even my skeptical mind never fails to poke holes. 
Yet, the artful progression of events weaves a narrative that I can't ignore either. Back in 2018, I left a toxic home environment to live with my mom, leaving behind anything that could be perceived as personal property. The experience didn't have me feeling especially proud, now being 23 years old and living with my mother. The minimum wage job I got at our local deli didn't exactly feel like I was proving any of my high school teachers wrong either. Over the next few months, I would adopt a new schedule. I walked a mile and a half to work at 2 p.m., fake smile at the wealthy, angry women shopping at our local Whole Foods-style specialty grocery store, and do it for eight hours, then make the same walk back at 10.30 p.m. It was usually pretty close to 11.30 p.m. by the time I got home. Mom and I hadn't kept in touch as well as either of us would have liked in the years following my departure from home. At the time, we were both going through a period of darkness, and my homecoming to my pretentious little hometown marked the conclusion to those episodes in our lives. I'll never forget the way she hugged me at the airport. Her house had two and a half bathrooms, three bedrooms, and a kitchen-slash-dining area that rested on Dillo Drive. On paper, it sounds very spacious, but in person, it really feels like all these rooms are squished on top of each other. Two of the bedrooms waited at the top of the staircase that had a wide corridor and tall wooden steps. I slept in the larger of these two rooms. Since the divorce, there weren't many decorations or much personality in the house. Mom never cared much for materialistic bullcrap anyways. I had grown up down the street from this house, so I knew a little bit about the history of this house. It's not interesting, it's mostly been a party house for various groups of people in the early 20s. The large backyard with a fire pit made it popular. The house was super old, so it had pretty reasonable rent for either two responsible adults or five stupid kids. For the first week or so, we got along great and were both just trying our hardest to be better people. With everything we had been through, it seemed like there should have been no issue in getting along. We were both working hard to make this the start to a happier chapter of our lives. Yet, pretty soon we were starting to get short with each other about nonsense. Sometimes mom didn't like the way I did the dishes, or I would get frustrated with her rescue dog peeing on something. We would always talk it out by the end of the day. These feelings of stress and anxiety started to hang in the air like fog. Sometimes the cloud of directionless disquiet would lay on paranoia and uneasiness so thick that it ejected me outside. It was like the only way I could feel relief was simply leaving the house. Of course, I can't continue without acknowledging that both my mom and I were coming out of traumatic periods of our life. I'm sure any two-bit therapist would attribute these feelings to traumatic stress. But other things started to happen as the cloud of negative emotions began to storm. I noticed the first strange occurrence at the top of the stairs. My shadow seemed to climb up as I walked down. I didn't even register what happened as strange until I got to the bottom step. Then I stopped in my tracks and whipped my head around, somewhat cartoonishly. Having been on my way to work, I couldn't investigate this odd phenomena until I got home that evening. I walked up and down the stairs several different times with various sets of lights on and off. I could never naturally recreate it. A few days later, I had been on a group call with some friends from the internet. We all lived in different states, but... We all loved to bullshit about video games or whatever had our attention. 
I can't remember exactly what we were discussing at the time. I was focused on a pot of boiling mac and cheese dinner in front of me. Gidget called out to me. Dude, I think someone's trying to grab your attention over there. What? I asked. It sounds like someone is calling for you over there. Um, no. Mom's out this weekend. I'm home alone. Then you have the TV on or something, because I heard it too. Leon chimed in. Of course, the only device on at the time was the phone I was talking on. I also didn't doubt that they heard something. That feeling of uneasy paranoia started to crawl up the back of my neck. What exactly did you guys hear? A woman. Like she was calling over from another room. (sighs) You guys are so full of shit, but I'm going to do a sweep anyways. I put the phone down and walked away from my pot of boiling noodles. I hadn't heard anything, but I was born deaf in one ear, so it didn't feel unusual for someone to hear something that I didn't. I started going from room to room, with one of the golf clubs my mom liked to hide in the corners. Every bedroom, closet, bathroom, and the garage were all empty. It didn't feel empty, though. I returned to my phone call and my pasta, deflecting my feelings with jokes about ghosts. I would spend the next few weeks paying attention to any sound, shadow, or reflection that dared enter my perception. I was certain that I was going to catch this mysterious phenomenon that didn't quite want to manifest. So I guess it makes sense that it waited to catch me off guard. I trudged into the house one night, worn down by a combination of unpleasable customers, unreasonable management, and cold rain. I brought myself upstairs to my room and hand-searched for the switchlight at the top of the stairs. I found the switch, but I froze just before I flipped it. My bedroom door sat at the end of a short hall. The door was wide open, and even though none of the lights were on, just enough light bled in from the outside that I could see her standing in my room. It's like my heart stopped. I could see the shape of the person, but any detail was completely obscured by I don't even know what. Visually, she was entirely composed of some translucent black smoke. I only had half of a second to process that she was even there before she started sprinting at me. I didn't even have time to flinch, but miraculously, I had enough reflex to bend my finger and hit the light the second her body would have collided into mine. When she touched me, I felt something that surprised and sort of confused me. At first I was just startled, but then what I felt wasn't fear, it was anger. I wasn't afraid of getting hurt, I felt anger. The anger wasn't violent or malicious, it was like a deep frustration. It kind of hit me what was going on at that moment. I slowly closed my bedroom door and slipped a blanket under the door for maximum noise muffling. I sat upright on the bed for a moment, contemplating this probably crazy thing I was about to say. So, I think, I think there may be something, or someone, in the house with us. If not, then I'm talking to nothing, and it doesn't matter anyway. But... I think you're, like, upset 
that we're here? I think you want us to get out of your home. And if that's the case, then I wanted to say we're trying. I know that there have been a lot of disrespectful people that lived here in the past, and even my parents added some of their own sadness to this house. I wanted to let you know that we're both doing what we can to find other living arrangements. We don't want to intrude any more than we need to. But in the meantime, we will respect you and your house. I promise. I let a couple minutes of reflective silence wash over me, then stood up to turn out the lights. A few months later, Mom found a little house on a horse farm out in the hills. She loves her house. She gets horses in her backyard and a pretty fantastic view over the city. I'm currently living in a little tiny, itsy-bitsy, small studio apartment. We hang out all the time and really haven't had any issues with each other since we moved out of that house. There were no more incidents after I spoke to the air that night. I asked Mom if she ever met the ghost in that house on Dillow Drive. She said she had felt something odd, but had never seen anything particularly weird. I met the landlord of that house a couple of times in social circles since then. Of course, I had to ask if anyone had ever died in the Dillow house before. I wasn't very surprised when he said yes. I asked if it was a cranky older woman. This was my impression of her personality the one time we met. He told me my guess was just vague enough that I got lucky. The house is still there in West Lynn, Oregon. It's rented out to someone else now. Thank you for reading my story. I didn't write to convince anyone of anything or to argue about the existence or lack thereof of anything. I simply recall these events as I remember them. But of course, it is up to the individual to choose what they believe. Whether you choose to do anything with this letter or disregard it entirely, thank you for reading it and I'll keep listening. Sincerely, Brock T. Thank you so much, Brock. That was fascinating. Incredibly fascinating. I really enjoyed that story. And I wanted to say I can completely um, empathize with your time living there uh, when it comes to walking to a shitty job that you hate with customers that you hate. I was, when I was your that age, the same age, I was in the same situation. I had to walk a couple miles from my really shitty apartment to working retail with really shitty customers who would throw things at me and were very rude. And it was, some days it was like, it was, it was just a very hard time of my life. So when you were describing that time, I fully felt like I was back at that time in my life as well. And I just, things get better, just so you know. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that you're out of that scary house. I actually looked up that I looked up Dillow Drive in, in Westland, Oregon, and there were a few houses for rent. And so, and you said someone was renting it currently, so it probably didn't come up. But I'm, I've looked around, so I'm hoping one of the houses I saw was that house. And um, they all looked pretty uh, haunted, but <laughs> it's a beautiful area. I'm glad you and your mother are doing so well now, though. And your mother's new home sounds fantastic. I want horses in my backyard. I want a backyard. So <laughs> I'm so glad she's doing better and you are too. Oh, and smart idea to talk out loud to the ghost. I, I wouldn't, I think I would have probably done the same. I've kind of done it here in my own apartment. And I love that you just explain to it that, hey, we don't want to disrespect you. 
and we're trying to get out of your out of your hair. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on, shall we? So I'm only going to share one more. Sorry, this episode's a little bit shorter. Like I said, I just don't feel very well. And I have quite a few, though, that this time I didn't use up all of my submissions. I had quite a few. I think what I'm going to do is um, save a couple for the next True Stories episode, but I'm also going to do a bonus episode on Patreon with some of the... (laughs) How do I say this? Um wilder stories that I've gotten over the years. There are a few I've talked about on the show where I just, I haven't put them on the show for various reasons because they seem extra, hmm, extra, extraordinary. (laughs) They seem very, um, out there and I didn't know how they would be received by the general public, but they're still interesting and I think that they would make a fun bonus episode. So what I'm going to do is save a few of these for the next True Stories episode for the regular feed and break up some of the other ones into a bonus episode for Patreon. I think that's a fair, fun compromise and that way I'm not subjecting some of these wilder stories to the masses. (laughs) Um, But here is one last story to end off, and then I will do a little ramble at the end, as always. And this is from Jeremiah. Dear Shelby, I am not the best writer, but I will try my best. I'm more of a math guy, but I promise everything I write is 100% true. Not a very long story, but I will share since I haven't shared with anyone besides others that were there with me that night. This happened about 10 years ago when my brother and I lived together. One weekend, he invited me and my girlfriend at the time, and his girlfriend, to go camping for the weekend. My brother had what you call a pop-up camper. Side note for people who don't know what a pop-up camper is, it's a tent on wheels, basically this one had a normal door that popped up to tables on each side, and one king-size bed on one side and a queen on the other. Anyway, the four of us agreed, and we went to a state campground called Long Lake in Wisconsin. Growing up, my brother and I would camp here with my parents at least four times a year, and nothing strange ever happened. Anyway, like I said, we went for the weekend, so we arrived around afternoon on Friday and got our camp all set up, made dinner and a campfire. Next morning, did all the stuff you normally do when you camp, hike through nice woods, cook meals over a campfire, all enjoying the nice weather and woods around us. The last night, we made a campfire, drank beer, and the four of us were just talking about random stuff going on in the world at the time. All seemed like a normal camp trip. We went to bed that night around midnight or so. I woke up, I believe, a few hours later to the door opening to the pop-up camper and saw what I thought was my brother walk in and just stand there. Yes, the camper had a lock, but we never really used it because the pop-up was more of a tent than anything else, so we never saw the point. Anyway, next thing I remember is waking up on top of my girlfriend, choking her and screaming, get them off me. I came to and stopped and I felt really bad that I did that since I'm not a violent person and everyone asked what was going on. I told my brother all I remember is you coming in in the middle of the night and just standing there for a while not doing anything and I said it was kind of crappy. My brother then said I thought that was you and we both freak out. Who was in our camper last night? Like I said, the story is short and not all that scary but I often think about it and I don't know who or what that was. Soon after, I learned that the area is known for UFO sightings. Not saying that I was taken or anything, I just don't remember much other than what I told you. 
I never had anything like that ever happen since or ever woke up choking someone or screaming again. I ended up marrying my girlfriend, now my wife. Glad she didn't think I was crazy after that because we weren't dating that long at the time. Thank you so much, Jeremiah H. Thank you for sending that in. That is pretty weird. Um, I don't know who you saw standing in your pop-up camper that night. That is so weird that both you and your brother saw it and you clearly had a very visceral reaction to it. And I'm glad your wife realized this was a one-off thing and not something that you do regularly. Happy endings for all. But that is very, very strange. Camping stories always get me because I didn't grow up anywhere near woods. I've talked about it before. I grew up in the desert where you can kind of like... Deserts are creepy in their own way, but there's not a lot of... There's not as many hiding spaces as there are in woods. I don't know. Forests and woods scare me a lot. And so if you have any creepy camping stories, send them in. I love them. So yeah. Oh, before you guys go, I wanted to have a little chat about last week's episode and some messages I got about it. This... I, I might be a little crankier than normal because I don't feel good, but just just listen. This is, Hear me out. <laughs> I don't normally address comments or reviews, but I think I need to this time. Um, So let me sit backwards on this chair like a youth minister and let's talk. I promise I'm not trying to lecture. Um, I just want to clear up some things. First of all, I want to apologize. I got the many messages about last week's episode and how I didn't do a recap of part one. So last week was obscene part two. If you're listening on Shuffle or something on Spotify and you're like, what happened last week? Last week was part two of the Obscene series from Andrew Parker. And um, I didn't, I just didn't think to do a recap. I am so sorry. Uh, I got the messages that it left many of you lost and confused and it just really didn't occur to me. I apologize. I'll keep that in mind though going forward. Um, There are more parts of that particular story coming out and Especially if I have stories in the future like this one where the parts are spread out and not coming like week to week like they usually do if I have a part one and two. So I I don't mind doing a quick little previously on. I just really didn't think about it. So again, my apologies. My bad. I will definitely think about that going forward. So that is some constructive criticism. I will definitely take to heart. And I appreciate you pointing that out because again, I just didn't even think to do it. Um, some of you were like, way more mad than you needed to be though like as if you as if I wanted you to be confused on purpose (laughs) and I promised that was not the case it was just me not thinking to do a a recap so um you I I didn't mean to upset you guys so much a a couple a couple people said they couldn't find part one I don't know how to answer that because it all it came out a few weeks earlier so it's there it's it's there but also i'm going to take that as well as um as constructive criticism and maybe i'll just post like a link to the previous parts in the show notes the part the thing about posting a link to the previous part i don't ever know what app you're using so it's like do i post like an apple link a spotify link a link just for my host site like the acast link maybe maybe i'll just do that and um Maybe your RSS feeds will like figure it out. So again, I will do that because, like I said, a few of you said you didn't, couldn't even find part one. I I don't know why that is a that is an issue between your podcast app uh, and you because I don't know how to I don't know how to make that better. Other than again, I will post a link next time. So thank you. I did have one person tell me that I had a mental disorder, 
and that I was sick and it wasn't actually horror. Um, so I had another one who told me my brain wasn't working correctly. And then I had a few who insulted my friend who wrote the story. And I just wanted to say, look, there are many, many, many genres of horror. I like to hit them all, including body horror. I believe I've stated plenty of warnings at the beginning of the episode and it, their trigger warnings were posted in the show notes. And if you're listening commenters, I'm well aware that my brain doesn't work correctly. <laughs> you can listen to just a couple episodes of this show, a couple of rambles and be like, oh yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's not okay in a lot of ways. <laughs> I have the per- prescription bottle on my desk right now to prove it. But um, I don't agree that body horror doesn't count as horror. It's definitely not for everyone. And that's cool. A lot of people skipped those episodes and that is totally fine. Some of my um, friends who listen very religiously told me they, they noped out of some of those episodes and that is completely fine. You can just skip them just like people. A lot of people skip the Victorian era episodes because they're just not their thing. And that's totally fine. But I do want to keep the show fresh and eclectic and I want to highlight different genres of horror. I just, I just don't want to get rid of body horror just I, I don't know I and I just totally disagree that it doesn't count as horror and it's just sick and I get that there are some body horror things out there that really push the envelope um, when it comes to like horror movies like a Serbian film and things like that and I don't think I'll ever have something of that caliber on my show because stuff like that makes me uncomfortable I couldn't even read something like that out loud but I just feel like those these last few episodes totally fair body horror is not your thing but I I don't know. I I just never been that mad at a at a podcast that I felt the need to go tell the host of the podcast that they they were mentally they had a mental disorder and that their brain wasn't working correctly. <laughs> it, was, it was surprising to say the least to see those. A couple I actually published one of them because I was like, "You know what? This is so mad at this episode that I think it's it might be an unintended good advertisement for the episode." <laughs> so, I didn't publish all of them though and these are all um spotify comments by the way you can go on spotify now and comment on the episodes which i love please don't feel like you need to stop doing that um i just saw such an uptick the last week in people who were again parts of it my bad confused because i didn't do a recap said they couldn't find the first part and those that's one reason those are the biggest reasons i wanted to address this is just hey my bad i will fix that in the future and thank you because i really do appreciate constructive criticism like that so i can make the show better in the future so sorry for the lecture uh it's pretty out of character for me i know and for the show but i thought i could come admit my faults and set some boundaries so now you know i'm going to keep doing different types of horror and i was at fault for some of these things yeah uh, there was one other annoying comment that was literally flat out wrong, but I already addressed it online, so I won't even go there. I should probably shouldn't have even said anything. Anyway, okay, <laughs> go grab a stale Oreo off the snack table. You've earned it. Youth minister lecture over. Um, and thank you for being here. Uh, follow the show, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Scare You to Sleep. Go follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to get my my followers up. I know that's so. It feels so dumb to even say that, but I am and Twitter. I'm just trying to get my followers up just to do cooler stuff. So go follow me. It'd be cool if you could do that. If you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at Shelby B. Scott. Those are my personal accounts on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to submit some true stories to the show or fictional stories, you can submit them at Scare You to Sleep 
or no, sorry, not at scare you to sleep at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. And if it is a true story, please put in the title or in the subject line, true story submission. That way I know how to, if that way I know to categorize it correctly. I think that's all. Oh, I made cinnamon rolls this week. Same recipe I've mentioned before. Amazing recipe. I was just craving them. They're so good. I always make the full recipe and free. They freeze beautifully. You freeze them before the second rise and like individually on a sheet tray. And then you just have cinnamon rolls to be fresh cinnamon rolls, like for the rest of the, like for, for the rest of however long and you just pop two of those babies in the oven or you just let them sit out and thaw and then rise. So it takes a couple hours, but you just have them and it's amazing. It's great. I don't have much else to say. Uh, I was a guest on Nightlight, but I don't think that episode is out yet. So go look for the Nightlight podcast with my buddy Prince. We did Kronos, and I'm not sure exactly when it's going to come out, but go subscribe anyway, and then just keep listening until my episode comes out. Go su- so go support my buddy Prince. Also, filmed something very exciting this week that I, is going to come out soon, and. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm also going to be at Midsummer Scream. I'm going to be on a big panel with Trevor Henderson, creator of Siren Head, Pacific Obadiah of, Cre- of, of SP Archives, John Grills of Creepy. I feel like someone... Oh, Michael Rothman from Losers Club, I believe, is going to be on that panel. And I'm going to have a panel of my own, I believe. And also, I may be presenting a movie there with my new co-host for my new secret show that I haven't spoken about yet. Ooh, yeah, check it out. So please go to Midsummer Scream. The earlier you get your tickets, the the better the discount. You get like they're they're super discounted right now. So go check that out. You don't have to come every single day. And I'll also be at the Bloody Disgusting booth as well on and off, so I will be around even if you can't make it on like the day I have a panel. I'll be around and we can talk and hug and take pictures and arm wrestle or whatever (laughs) um some days someone's gonna actually take me up on arm wrestling and i'm gonna look like a fool in front of everyone okay i'm gonna go and lay down because this headache is turning into a migraine yeah all right i love you everyone thank you for bearing with me on this kind of weird episode this week next week will be a normal normal episode no lectures from teacher shelby over here no um like this is real late it's it's friday at 7 p.m right now as i'm finished this up god it's gonna be good it's gonna be great okay i love you all go get some sleep sweet dreams